podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, pod friends, and welcome along to another episode of Your Tales Football Podcast. Every club in European football and the regions that contribute to the continent's footballing pyramid has a story to tell, and we're going to tell it to you, pod friends, through a medium of experts and passionate fans in the know. We have a jam-packed episode featuring some of the stalwarts of footballing coverage. This week we have a distinct English flavour. Chapter 1, Burnley are back amongst the big boys of the Premier League. We explore what is the lowdown with Burnley 2.0, led by an exciting manager in Vincent Company. Tom Whittaker joins us from the brilliant No Nay Never Burnley podcast, talking about the new Burnley and their upcoming transfer window. In Chapter 2, we are joined by yet another EFL expert and pundit, Gabriel Sutton, from the EFL Debate and BBC Squad Goals. Gabriel is the man in the know when it comes to the Blues, Birmingham City. After some challenging times for the club, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel via the welcome news of a takeover. Gabriel also gives us his expert take on Lawrence Vigoro, an exciting goalkeeper from the lower league who at Burnley are said to be on the verge of signing. To close the show, our podcast is graced with the expertise of Frasier Spini. Frasier is a vault of knowledge when it comes to analytics and his beloved Southampton. He runs the postandin.com website, a truly magnificent resource that takes you on a deep dive through a host of footballing topics. He is also the co-host, I beg your pardon, of There's Only One Football Podcast. Frasier, will his analytical and intimate knowledge of Southampton is going to profile what youngsters are going to emerge from Southampton next season following their relegation. Let's get right into it. The club is back in the big time. After a swashbuckling season in the championship, they destroyed all in the wake to win the title and secure promotion at the first time of asking following relegation. Gone are the days of Sean Dyche and his pragmatic football when Burnley were last seen by Premier League audiences. The club has undergone a footballing metamorphosis in the championship, their exciting manager of Vincent Company plays a possession based brand of football that neutrals may find pleasant on the eye. To survive in the Premier League following promotion from the championship requires a transfer window of bullish bravado and a sprinkling of stardust. Let's hear from the man in the know, Tom Whitaker from the No Nay Never Burnley podcast. Hello, my name's Tom. Uh, I'm one of the uh, one of the guests on the Nana Never podcast. I'm just here to give you a few views on uh, on Burnley's transfer window um, and on what we can expect from the Clarets next season. Uh, I think anyone who's not followed Burnley in the Championship under Vincent Company, um, the the best way to put it is just to to completely forget everything you know about Burnley. The the style of play very traditional, 
obviously quite defensive, negative, and especially in the last couple of years under Sean Dyche, uh, that was completely transformed last season. Um, the, the squad was completely transformed. You won't recognise many of the players and you won't recognise the style of football. Obviously, under Vincent Company, who had such a great spell under Guardiola, it's that kind of football we're trying to replicate. It doesn't always work, of course, but uh, we were fantastic last season, deserved wins of the championship, a cut above the rest. And we're hoping we can carry that on into next season. The biggest question mark for us in the transfer window is going to be how many of last season's successful loan players can we bring back? Uh, we've already signed on a permanent deal Jordan Bayer, who's a really good ball-playing centre-half from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, there's a couple of key players that will struggle to replace if we don't manage to bring them in on a permanent deal. And they are Ian Matson, an attacking left-back from Chelsea. Um, he was successful loan last year, but the reports are that Chelsea won £20 million for him and will struggle to to pay that, unfortunately. So we might have to look elsewhere. The other one is Nathan Teller, who was our top scorer last year from the wing. Um, he's relegated to Hampton, so he'd be a key player for them in the Championship. And the reports are that Dave put a £15 million price tag on, on his head which is affordable, but probably towards the upper limits of our budget. So remains to be seen whether those two players come back. Um, and there'll be players that we'll, def- we'll definitely need to replace um, if they don't come back because they were two integral parts of our team last year. Um, as usual with Burnley, a lot of the links are coming. Uh, well, I say as usual with Burnley, of course, as usual with Vincent Company's Burnley, a lot of the links are coming um, from abroad. So uh, a lot of Belgian players linked. Sambi Congo from Arsenal. Um, who companies work with at Anderlecht is a name that keeps recurring and keep be a good signing. Today we have secured the signature of Dara O'Shea from West Brom. That's more of a, the kind of signing you'd expect Sean Dash to make it an Irish centre-half from West Brom, but he should be a player that can fit into the new style, a bit more of a ball-playing centre-half, and that probably means that we won't be looking at a return for Man City, Loney, Taylor, Holwood, Bellis either. Um, in terms of what we're, what we're looking at for the new season, we, we do need three or four more players minimum, I would say. Um, and I th- having t- recently taken out a bridge and loan, um, the likelihood is I think that we will try and push the budget a bit more than we have done in previous years this season. I think we will spend a little bit of money, try and add a bit of quality to what's already a very good squad. I expect if we can do that, then I'd expect us to have a good chance of staying in the league. Um, you saw last season, Fulham really made a comfortable job of it in the end. And I think we're in that mould of team. Uh, we were too good for the Championship. Uh, and I don't think we need major surgery to be competitive in the Premier League. It's going to be, of course, a massive step up for us. It'll be a big change in that last season we dominated possession in virtually every game and, and we won't be able to do that in the Prem. So we will need to adjust. We will need to change our style a little bit. Uh, but Vincent Company has proven himself so far to be an absolutely fantastic manager. He's done a brilliant job. Um, he had money to spend in the Championship, but we only had that by selling a lot of really good first-team Premier League quality players. So to remake the squad in such a short space of time, to get the results that he did last season and to get us straight back up at the first time of asking is is really fantastic. Uh, Pep Guardiola, it looks like he'll be at Man City for at least another two years. And I'd be quite surprised if Vincent Company isn't the guy to replace him for a lot of reasons. So the hope is that we can keep company for at least the next couple of years. I think we've got a good chance of staying up next season. And depending on how well he's backed at the season after that, if we do stay up, then really the sky could be the limit. Um, we could be looking at a sort of Brighton-Brentford-type mould of being comfortably mid-table top half, which for a club of our size would be a fantastic achievement. So I'm hopeful. Um, let's see what, what the kind of business we can do in the next few few weeks another three or four through the door and i'll be quite confident that we'll we'll make at least some impact on the league next season
Thank you, Tom. Burnley have been rewarded for taking a risk on Vincent Company. The Clarence had spent a decade under the stewardship of Sean Deutsch, which petered out in the end. He was sacked in May 2022 following relegation from the Premier League, with the club's finances being of serious concern and embarking on a squad rebuild following relegation. The temptation for the club and in particular the hierarchy, would have been to go with a manager in the same mould as Deutsch, a safe pair of hands, so to speak. Instead, they took a punt on the inexperienced company, the former Belgian defender, had a fantastic 11 years down the road with Manchester City as a player, but his only relevant managerial experience was an impressive stint in the Jupiter League as head coach of Anderlecht. He led the Belgian side back to European football, reawakening a sleeping giant. His knowledge of the Belgian league was pivotal in his recruitment strategy. Once he was through the Burnley scouting door, he earmarked a number of players he knew from Belgium. Five joined from the Jupiter League, including Josh Cullen from company's previous club, Anderlecht. The Republic of Ireland International has been an integral component to the team's success in central midfield. Knowing everything his manager wants from the position, after two years with him in Brussels and now one in Burnley, you will feel he will be key to keeping that midfield taken over in possession in the Premier League. He is in many aspects company's quarterback, dictating playing and keeping everything taken over. Company astutely used the loan market to great effect last summer too. His goalkeeper and defenders are cornerstones to his footballing philosophy, selling the tone and passing out from the back. They may surprise more than a few this season. They've already signalled their intent starting pre-season training just four weeks after a gruelling championship season. They banged the highest goal tally in the championship last year with an impressive tally of 87 goals. They had the best defence leaking just 35 and amassed an eye-watering 101 points, all with the fifth youngest squad in the division. We'll check back with Tom and Burnley as their story and season unfolds. The link to Tom's Twitter handle and the brilliant brilliant no day never podcast is in the show notes for all things Burnley you will find no better to watch the rise of company as a manager it will be an intriguing watch next season as he pits his wits against the best you're listening to Eurotales where European football stories are explored one at a time make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode Now to England's second city of Birmingham with EFL expert Gabriel Sutton. The last few trying chaotic years for Birmingham City has been one hell of a rollercoaster ride. Blues fans have been subjected to a tale of endless turmoil. The club was staring into the abyss under Hong Kong ownership. In the last few years, many false dawns and managers have come and set. But at last, light seems to be at the end of the tunnel. 
Tom Wagner, not the guy in Russia, is moving closer to completing a takeover of the club. The deal will eventually see Wagner take over a 45% stake of the club. He was in attendance at the Blues' final game of the season against Sheffield United. The Blues finished 17th in the championship this season, their highest league finish since the 2018-2019 campaign. Oh, it's been a dark recent few years at St. Andrews with new owners and some money finally in the transfer kitty what next for Blues let's get the inside track from Gabriel Sutton on the Blues and a goalkeeping target for Burnley who we've just mentioned Hi Liam thanks for having me on the podcast in terms of what Birmingham City are going to need this summer it's been um, a productive first season under John Eustace he's done well in difficult circumstances inherited a wafer thin squad at St Andrews a lot of ownership issues as well they look like they're going to be resolved this summer it looks like we're going to get new owners imminently and um, hopefully that's going to lead it on the way to him getting the support in the transfer window that he needs um, and, and a lot of fans are excited about the uh, the takeover and what that means for the club. Yeah, in terms of what we, we're going to need, probably looking at another 10 additions, six that need that would really go straight into the best 11, which would be a right-back to replace uh, Maxime Collin, who's been released, and probably a centre-back to play alongside uh, Mark Roberts, a left-back to replace Austin Trusty, who we had on loan. I don't know if we're going to get him back, uh, but if we could get him back, that'd be great. Going to need a sitting midfielder to replace Christian Bielek, who is really good at the base of uh, base of midfield. We had him on loan from Derby. Whether we can get him back, uh, I'm not entirely sure. George Hall at the 10, I think, is one to be really excited about. Uh, hopefully, he can get fully fit this year. Uh, and then on left wing, again, we're going to need to replace Rida Kadra. I'd, again, another one I'd absolutely love to get him back. So, if the new ownership could get us... Um, Reda Kadra, Austin Trusty, and Christian Bielik back on permanent deals. That would be a fantastic um, start to the summer window. I'd also like to see us bring in a centre forward because we've got Lukas Djukovic, who is a bit of a cult hero from Blues in the modern era, but that's partly because the modern era hasn't been hugely successful for Blues. So it'd be nice if we could get it. Um, Djukovic is a really useful target man, um, but he's not the um he's not the most mobile and it kind of limits how how we can play so i'd like to see you know i still see a role for Zhukovic in the squad but i'd like to see us bring in uh, one more who can offer something a little bit different um so yeah hopefully hopefully we can have a good summer and um, progress into the top half of the table as for your other question which was about Lawrence Vigaru uh, the Leighton Orient goalkeeper i actually did a league 2 team of the season back in march and I put Harry Lewis, the Bradford City goalkeeper, in my team of the season over Lawrence Figaro. And it got some very angry responses from Leighton Orient fans. So, um, yeah, that shows you how highly he's rated. And listen, uh, I think it was 22 clean sheets he kept for, for the O's last season, which was an incredible achievement. Saved four penalties as well. Um, he fully deserves his move. I'm not, move. I'm not sure how much he's going to play for Burnley in the Premier League next season, but uh, delighted for him to, to get that opportunity. Um, cheers, folks, and hopefully speak to you soon. The links to Gabriel's fantastic EFL outlets and his Twitter handle are in the show notes. If you love the EFL and the Blues, you need the medium of Gabriel's expertise in your footballing studies. The Blues have already commenced their recruitment drive, announcing 
the signing of exciting Japanese attacker Keoi Mishiyoshi. Signing from Antwerp in recent days, the 26-year-old becomes the first ever Japanese player to play for Birmingham. The player is somewhat of a coup for the Blues. He is European pedigree, having featured in Europa and Conference Leagues for Antwerp. He is playing the international stage two with Japan and will be hoping to re-establish himself within the Japanese squad at Birmingham. He can play in both wings and as a 10, but prefers the inverted role, calling in from the right wing on his gifted left foot. Miyoshi ain't alone. Tyler Roberts has also signed the dot line at St. Andrews, bringing with him more international experience from his time with Wales. Roberts was on loan at QPO last season from his parent club Leeds. The 24-year-old attacker has signed for an undisclosed fee. He was a member of the Welsh squad that reached the last 16 of Euro 2020. A new dawn has begun at Birmingham. We will watch their championship week campaign with intrigue next season. Blues struggled for goals last year so the arrival of two attack-minded players will be a welcome addition. In truth, an American hedge fund ain't getting involved in the club to be languishing in the bottom half of the championship. They will have ambitions of eventually getting to the riches of the Premier League. Speaking of the Premier League, like a train in the night... Burnley are going one way and Southampton are going another. The Saints suffered relegation from the Premier League. It was a sorry season for Southampton, which seen them occupy one of the relegation spots from the 5th of November on. They tried to find a winning formula to stop the slide by rolling the managerial dice. Three managers came and went. The club has been a Premier League staple for quite some time. They last suffered relegation way, way back from the top tier in 2005. They have been fertile grounds in the past for producing and recruiting young talent over the years. The Saints put their trust in youth last season. They had the youngest squad in the Premier League, averaging just 25.1 years. They signed 10 players last summer. Only two of them were over the age of 25. It is their youth that may have to come to the fore again to get the club out of the championship as fast as possible. Let's hear from Southampton expert Fraser Spini. I'm just realising, Fraser. I hope I'm not pronouncing your surname incorrect. Is it Spini? Is it Spiny? Whatever. He has a spin on Southampton. He is an expert. He runs websites analytical expertise all his resources are linked in the show notes let's explore what gems are next to emerge from the saints ranks with Frazier. it was obviously a pretty dismal campaign for southampton southampton last season finishing bottom of the league getting relegated so it's time to look ahead to the new season under the new manager we've got russell martin in from swansea despite a, a pretty protracted period of negotiation over compensation which looks looks set to rumble on but it's definitely time to look ahead to a new season and there are some real causes for optimism, albeit maybe cautious optimism for Southampton fans next season. The first thing is the squad overhaul and there are expected big big departures expected in the likes of, sort of Ward Prowse, Carl Walker-Peters and Romeo Lavia. But this does mean there are a number of gaps to be filled and, and there's players within the squad currently, young players especially, who will be hoping they can be the ones to, to fill those spots and impress. One such player is Samuel Adozi, 
Um, recently been involved in the England under 20 World Cup squads, which who unfortunately went out in the quarterfinal stage to Italy. But he has Dozy has shown a lot of promise at times last season. But he does need to find a level of consistency and sort of greater output in the final third than he's shown so far in Southampton shirt. Good news is obviously that these are both things that come of experience and playing regularly. And Adozi is an excellent dribbler who could really sort of benefit from playing on a side with a lot of the ball, um, like Russell Martin, Swansea and MK Dunn's size both have have had. The only worry is that Martin does tend to play either 3-4-2-1 or 4-1-4-1 formation. And in either system does he tend to really favour conventional wingers like Adozi, who love to run at their man, beat their man, use their close control and trickery and be sort of spontaneous with their, their movements he prefers much a much shorter passing game Juan Larios is another of the four players that Southampton signed from Manchester City last season given the um the involvement of Joe Shields as head of recruitment who was former Manchester City had a similar role at Manchester City before that so alongside Adozi, uh, Gavin Bazunu and Romeo Lavia, Juan Larios came in and is another who will be hoping to feature more than last season where he had five senior appearances but this was largely due to, due to injury rather than being out of favour or anything like that. A Spanish left-footed fullback who can play on either side. He isn't he isn't the tallest and he is a little lightweight but hopefully he's sort of worked on that in his time out injured but he's technically very sound and he is very comfortable on the ball as you would expect from a Manchester City Manchester City youth product. Um, with Roman Perro, Southampton's usual left back, look, looking like he might depart this summer. It is anticipated Southampton will probably look to sign another left back. But in Larios, they do potentially have a player who's ready made to sort of come in and and be that be that left back. Uh, another player who's in the squad already and could could take over the role in the defence is um, Dinel Simu. Simu. Um, so we signed from Chelsea in in 2022 alongside at the same time as uh, Tino Livramento, and he's a very pow- powerful, fast defender with a commanding presence, despite just being 21. And he has had now three successful football football league loan spells at Carlisle United, Tranmere Rovers, and Morecambe. So um, it's just whether the club feel that another loan is best for his development, or whether he is he is ready to be integrated into first team and should be pushing for a starting place under Russell Martin. Two slightly more established players that are still very young but and could be in for very big seasons, I feel, are Seku Mara and Tina Livramento, who I mentioned just then. Livramento did really have his breakout season in the 21-22 season after signing as an 18-year-old from Chelsea. Then ACL, um, an ACL injury in, in the April of 2022 kept him out for over a year, which obviously was really, really frustrating for him as, as he had just sort of started making a name for himself um his name checked by gareth southgate as an option for england despite the obvious wealth of of right backs that england have and um he'll be hoping to have an injury free season in which he can get back to his best marauding down the right hand side like i said mara is the other player um that i feel could have a really big season but is arguably not his breakthrough season due to the fact he was at the club last season and played more than you'd expect actually and more than he probably expected or southampton expected because of their failure to sign a, a proven goal scorer in that in the summer of well before for the last season um, I think he could be a really exciting player to watch this season if he does stay at the club uh, so Southampton uh, capitalised on Bordeaux's financial struggles last summer to, to sign him and it's probably accelerated things with regards to Mara he should have been signed as an exciting prospect who could come to the club ease himself into Premier League football and sort of find his feet but with Southampton's struggles in front of goal and that 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 failure to sign a proven striker I mentioned here, there was far too much responsibility placed on his shoulders in his first campaign outside of France. He is a very tidy player, he's very very tricky and, and he's got very good movement and he's he's a good link player and he, he likes to get, get touches of the ball and he has a good movement and he's, he's fast as well, he's got a good, good, good amount of pace and so he's equally comfortable dropping deep to get involved 
involved in play um, or running in behind to stretch opponents and that that sort of combination or that, that ability to mix up his game should be really beneficial to Southampton next season if he does like I said stay at the club having scored 7 goals in 34 senior prince of Bordeaux prior to being signed he did score just 2 goals last season and strangely both of these goals came against Manchester City the first one in a, in a bit of a shock Carabao Cup win which ultimately prevented prevented Manchester City winning that historic quadruple for Pep Guardiola's side although I'm sure they're, they're happy with just their, their measly treble and the second was in a bit more of a more expected 4-1 defeat to City in the league in terms of players emerging from Southampton's actual own academy rather than being signed from these elite academies elsewhere and guaranteed or, or given the sort of shown the pathway of, of senior first team football at a high level there are a trio of young players who made their Premier League debuts towards the end of last season um, for Southampton who are from the, the Southampton's own academy and these were Don Ballard who's, who's 18 Kamari Doyle who's 17 and Samuel Amo Amayor, who gained a lot of praise after his impressive cameo in the four-all draw against Liverpool on the final day, is only 16 as well, so it might not he might not be ready to be thrust in to the first team, but he could definitely feature off the bench or, or, or get some get some minutes in the cup competitions. It might be it might be cheating slightly to call him a Southampton Academy product, given he signed from from Tottenham as a 15-year-old, but we might have to take what we can get at, at this point. Um, so Ballard like I said is an 18 year old centre forward he scored his first senior goal in a League Cup win over Cambridge United last season so he's had a taste of it uh, Doyle 17 year old midfielder likes to play in central areas and Amo Amayor is just 16 and like I said and is a winger but Southampton's youth sister set up and the, the, the pathway he's sort of being being shown is, is actually as a number 10 so he's been learning that role this season um, which is, is just good I mean the number 10 10 sort of wide player hybrid I mean it gives him flexibility and he's very adaptable by the sounds of things so so it sounds like a very positive positive thing for for Amo Amayor and he could have a really big um really big future I, I hope it's strange actually because despite Southampton's reputation for being a club that produces talented young players you could actually argue the last successful graduates of their own academy are, are Luke Shaw and James Will Prowse both of these are players who made their debut over 10 years ago now so with this sort of the drop in level although albeit potentially not much with championship football and and more games it might be time for one of these new academy products to to really really stake their claim to be the next one from the Southampton production line just one one last point of interest um is the signing of 19 year old Derek Abu following his release from Chelsea um just in, the, in a couple of weeks ago so Abu is a 19 year old right back who cites Reese James as, as his idol and um he has been signed initially for the B team but with the idea of being fast tracked to the first team before the age of 22 which must be one of the reasons because there was a lot of interest in, in in Abu as a young player around Europe and in England so I think the fact that Southampton have shown there is that pathway with with the likes of Liveramento, uh, Samuel Adozi, Gavin Bazunu, Romeo Lavia is a real reason why they can they can capture these young talents. Um, but interestingly enough, um, Abu is actually also a rapper and a quite a sort of up and coming rapper as well as footballer and performs under the alias of Chosen. Um, actually released a debut EP last year, so clearly a player that, or an individual who has as many talents is a very talented young man so be exciting to see what come, what comes of him in the, in the near future thank you so much Fraser, for your in-depth knowledge as Burnley have shown as a case study football and youth development can work hand in hand with a promotion season in the championship young players often cannot see their passage to the first team in an unforgiven Premier League but now Southampton can offer them that safe passage senior players Players at the club 
most will have relegation clauses in their contracts to escape, and the others will not easily swallow a 40 to 50% wage decrease. The last time Southampton suffered relegation from the Premier League, it took them several years to get back, and that involved a holiday to League One. But now they have already recruited new manager Russell Martin. The Saints have acquired a tactician with intimate knowledge of working in the lower leagues. Martin is unyielding in his beliefs. He is relentless and enforcing his sides to play out from the back. His remit at Swansea was to restore a football identity while the club spun several plates with regard financial troubles at the end of their Premier League parachute payments. In many ways, his time in Wales was successful, interacting with the fan base on a level few coaches would dare of. Martin will be different to what Saints fans are accustomed to. The press will be replaced with a possession based method. Swansea passed the ball more times than anyone under his watch in the championship last season. They also had the highest pass completion rate in the league. Martin's overarching principles are geared towards ball retention, influences every tactical and personnel decision in and out of possession. The marriage of Martin and Southampton could mean Saints fans have much to look forward to. Both will need to remove their defensive frailties if the Saints can bounce back at the first time of asking next season. The crowd too at St Mary's may need to be patient in the short term. Martin's tick attack at football did lead Swansea to win in three points of a playoff berth last season. Well, that is all we've got time for. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. It will ensure we attract new listeners and continue to grow. Sincere thanks to our expert guests. All of their Twitter handles and fantastic platforms are in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTalesPod on Twitter. EuroTales. Podcast Network.